All right, good day, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. This is a special show because we're actually streaming live on Facebook to my personal feed for once. Usually it's actually going live on, on Live the Fuel. Uh, but Brian Strausser of the Strausser Project, a regular guest co-host, is joining me from his uh, home casa in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, about 20 minutes from where I am in Allentown, Pennsylvania, because he and I have been busy on both sides of the front, and we just need to catch up. So uh, you might actually hear his uh, beautiful daughter in the background because she's a little spunky one. Uh, but hey, Brian, <laughs> welcome back to the show, man. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, so... I'm excited to talk about this past adventure we just went on. <laughs> That's why I'm excited <laughs> to go live because... Uh, God, it's been such a crazy year, dude. I mean, it's, what is it? It's July 31st. So, I mean, we've gone from hospital bed goals to your knee injuries where our goals got aligned and then the goals shifted as far as mountain bike racing. Uh, For the past year, we're going to hit on today is the launch of the Fat Documentary movie as well, a project that I've been working on for over a year with, you know, Vinny Tortorich and Serena Scott Thomas and and the director Peter Pardini and uh, crowdfunding and and just, dude, I don't know, man. Is there anything else I can throw in there for us? <laughs> I don't know. This seems to be the only way we can make it happen anymore is from a distance because uh, both of us got more things going on we know what to do with. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it gets exhausting. It's been a busy year. Yeah, I mean, you you've been listening to the show. The show's gonna be almost three years soon. Uh, I'm gonna air this as episode 290, by the way. So we literally are 10 shows away from hitting 300. Uh, so we can we could work that into the show too. I mean, uh, I I can't even remember your first episode number. Do you remember the first episode number? I don't. No. Yeah, I, no, I got I nothing. <laughs> but <No>. ever ever <laughs> since you and I uh, connected and recorded a podcast. In uh, in a Starbucks in Allentown on West Tillman Street, across from the Wegmans, and which also then helped us connect and and now uh, create friendships with. Uh, shout out to Dr. Megan Cannon, sports psychologist, who's also now a regular guest co-host on the show. So, uh, a lot of things happen in Starbucks. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm actually a big fan, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, on the uh, mobile the mobile office thing myself, I do a lot of a lot of work in there from time to time. Yeah, you were telling me on our road trip out to the Wilderness 101. So let's go ahead and catch people up real quick. Why are we going to talk about the Wilderness 1? We'll just we'll give a refresh, ladies and gentlemen. This was a race that Brian set this goal before I did and because uh, he's just as psychotic as I am. And then uh, I decided to accidentally collapse a lung in January, and I was on my hospital bed, and I was like, you know, I need a goal to make a comeback. And I was like, you know, I was going to go out and support Brian anyway. Uh, so I was like, Hey, what the hell? Why don't I sign up for the race? And then fast forward a few months, you injure yourself, uh, exponentially more <laughs> trying to do another mountain bike race down in Virginia. Am I wrong on all that? Yeah. I went to do the, uh, Leesburg, uh, Baker's dozen, which I've done at least, I think it was three times prior. I think that was my fourth time. Uh, in the past I used to do it on a steel single speed. So I had one gear, I had no suspension. Um, <laughs> You know, it was just me against the woods, and uh, I rode for a full 13 hours straight back in the day um, and went back just kind of as a training ride going on to this wilderness 101 journey, which which I've always looked at in the past as being kind of the last crazy event that I wanted to do now that, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I'm getting a little older, but it's not so much the age thing that's getting to me as it is the, the lifestyle thing with three kids and 
and a job, a pretty, pretty serious side business going on and everything. Um, but once I got there, hoping that things were going to go a little bit differently, uh, I just had more, more problems than I could deal with in the time that I needed to, to be in any type of shape to go do the Wilderness 101. And the big thing about the Wilderness 101 is I was going back. So I had already been there. Yep. Um, now you have a totally different understanding when we talk about this, uh, <laughs> to know the type of human being that's not only been there once, but he's looking to go back again. And, uh, I had only done about 42 miles, I think when I got pulled at a stop. Um, and, uh, you know, that was just kind of my goal to go back there and kind of finish what I started, but this, this just wasn't the year. Well, I, I agree. The fact that you had actually attempted this race before years ago, and then we're crazy enough to go back. Now that I've I've attempted it, and and ladies and gentlemen, I'll go ahead and put it out there. I mean, I, I put it all over social media. Brian was like the ultimate uh, support coach, camp boss, camping, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but <laughs> totally crash and burn, guys. It last that was it two Saturdays ago now, Brian. Yeah, it was yeah. it was very hot. <laughs> we'll just say that hot wasn't even the word. The funny thing about that, and I'll let you, I'll let you give your experience because one, you're the one who experienced it. But I had people when I was going there for the weekend to camp, to stay in a tent, that were telling me how busy I was. I was going to stay in a tent. You know, it's going to be close to 100 degrees out there, and who would ever want to do that? And it humored me because of what I was going there to be a part of, and who I was going to be around for something like that. It's funny when you talk to, quote unquote, average human beings that have no understanding as to some of these things that we get ourselves into. And they're concerned about my well-being staying in a tent. And yet 200 and some people were setting out for 101 miles in, in horrific heat and humidity and some of the worst climbing and, and rocky terrain known to man. Yeah. So how uh, was the trail? <laughs> yeah, let's hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How do I sum this up? Uh, well, I had very uh, in- expressive mannerisms in some of the videos you shot at, at the aid stations. Um, the heat was no joke. Uh, I'm not. A- I'm not afraid of heat. For- I mean, for God's sake, I'm a former firefighter. But being stuck in a seat, a bike seat, for ten hours, um, doing the amount of climbing that you hinted at, and I really didn't fathom. Um, <laughs> Totally sucked. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, dude, I'm, I'm wearing a Kingdom Trails shirt from Vermont. I mean, I've I've mountain biked all over this country. That race course is freaking psychotic. So <laughs> that's what makes it so awesome. Yeah. And you, you, uh, I mean, how many years ago did you do your first attempt? Oh man, I don't even remember exactly when it was. But you, you did the first forty miles. Yeah, it was like forty-two something. Yeah, and I and I uh, I only did I, I did what six, I did sixty-six point six six. And actually, here because we have technology here, you get to experience screen sharing for the live webinar. Here's here's Strava. There's my data, and and there's this there there's my red line, and then the red line does not complete itself back <laughs> to the to the to the start. All right, so there you go, people. I'm not hiding anything. Scott did not finish a race. I ended up right here where a whole bunch of other people's photos are. And actually, here's here's a really – yeah, there you go. This is me in Brian's truck uh, heading back to the campsite. And that face pretty much says it all. <laughs> 
<laughs> that looks better than what I remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think it already wiped my face off from all the sweat, filth, and bugs. Um, I, I did a little bit of a quick wipe down. That was about it. So, yeah. <laughs> Hey, let, let's let's talk about that second stop. Or no, that wasn't that. It was number four. Number four, the last stop that you came to. Yeah, that was those aid station guys, four. Those two guys. That 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 became a, like a new event for me in itself. I met this these two guys that come out to this thing every year. I think that it was Evan and Paul were the two guys that were running that stop. Yeah, and they were grilling. First off, it's like a gazillion degrees. They're grilling out of the back of their truck, <laughs> anywhere from eggs to bacon to sausage to pierogies to to um man it, uh, corn dogs they got real excited when anybody took a corn dog it, it was we had more fun sitting there watching people punish themselves you could you could even imagine but yeah there was plenty of people that came in there too and were were right on the edge of heat stroke that literally were loopy you know grabbing a seat we were getting them water and stuff it was fun being able to help out at least well when you i know, got there i thought the chairs were for people that were pulling themselves like i was about to do because I mean, I was expecting them to be already past that aid station, and this is now 5 o'clock. I think it was right around 5 p.m., right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so we had started the race, people watching this, at 7 a.m., and I was averaging 10 miles an hour uh, over the course for the first four hours, so I was doing great. I thought I was. <laughs> I mean, meanwhile, the pros, like, they're they're already, like, getting done at, like, hour 7 to 8. Uh, it, wasn't that some of the top finishing times, like, 7 or 8 hours? Yeah. You know, actually, I probably have that on file here. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's disturbing. It's, it's disturbing. It's not even the word, Brian. It, it's well, it, first, it's first superhuman. I'm sitting there in the age stations, too, when when there's a couple of girls that look to be about a 120 you know, pounds soaking wet, come through smiling. Yeah. Grab some water, grab something to eat, took off right back up the hill. Just kept going. Yeah, I mean, I I know one of those girls because she was up from North Carolina, and she and I were trucking on some of the same hills together, and then I'd pull away, and then I'd see her again in another five miles, and then I'd pull away again. And then finally, probably after aid station three, or I don't know, after I saw you at aid station two, between aid station two and aid station three, all of a sudden that, that girl comes past me again, and I stop to like just to get a, a water. She doesn't even hit the aid station three. She just goes keeps going. And I was like, oh, I think that was a semi-pro or a pro girl. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there was some grassroots, like, pivot team people there and stuff. She was on a pivot. Yeah. She was on yeah. a pivot. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that was definitely a pro girl because it was like, yeah, I think she was just taking it easy for the first 20, 30 miles and then just took off. I never saw her again. So I was like, okay. It, it was interesting just getting my pickup truck up to where that second rest stop was. Like, yeah. the top of that hill was unimaginable for for like you, you can't even you can't explain this to people that haven't experienced and actually done it or been there like it was amazing the amount of climbing to get up to the top of that day yeah i mean actually the cool thing about strava is they actually do give you oh let me screen share again they give you like a terrain map so like you can see the, the like right here you're going up down this is my course this is just the first 66 miles as you move along, <laughs> there's a little taste of the hills, to say the least. And then, hold on, do I have another map here? Here you go. There's the whole course. Lots of lots of lots of climbs. Lots of climbs. And then here's aid station four, right here in the towards the middle of the screen. And all of this climbing was still left ahead of me. So 
uh, especially that nice vertical one right here. <laughs> that, that literally started directly after the bridge. Yeah. Like they said, you come out, make a right. And, and that there was people that went up that didn't get it up to the top, turned around and came back down then threw in the towel that way. Oh yeah. That young girl, uh, she was, she yeah. was there when I got there and she's like, oh yeah, I started to go up. And then I was like, she's like, my current pacing and the time, she's like, I just said, you know what? It's not even worth it. And everybody was agreeing that the heat was just god-awful. Um, I, I know for a fact that definitely mile 50, actually, hold on a second. Let me screen share that again. I remember these miles. It's mile 50 to 51, which is after aid station three. So this big little hump right here in the middle, this is what did me in right there. Because I was trying to ride this between 1 and 2 p.m. or 1 and 3 p.m. And according to the, the app, I think they said it was like a high of 95. But the real feel was like 105 to 110 with the humidity index of like over 70% or something crazy like that. It was sweaty. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and to explain to people that are watching this too, like this specific event, I was standing underneath a bridge in the shade doing nothing more than drinking a cold beer. Very cold. <laughs> and still had sweat running down my back into my shorts just yeah. from standing there, filling up water bottles for people and helping people out as they came through. Like the well, heat, when we were driving there, that's the, the main thing coming out of my mouth was the heat's the factor of this entire race. Like it, everything came down to the temperature for this one. Yeah. I mean, it, and that, that was, and it, actually half of the racers all agreed that nobody was ready for that heat. There was that one gentleman that I met at aid station four where I ended up pulling myself and he continued on the five. And then we talked to him and his buddy later at the campsite. And he said, dude, I pulled myself at aid five. And this was his sixth time doing this race. And this was the only race that he never finished. He said, he's like, the heat index was awful. He's like, I pulled myself at aid station five. And he's like, I've never not finished this race. And he was also doing the 101 miles that I was attempting. So how about the dedication of the guy we met on Friday night? Oh, the freaking guy from Nova Scotia. Yeah, who who we we felt like we were bonding with one of our like one of our people. Yeah. Bill, this gentleman decided to let us know that he was missing his stepson's wedding to do this race. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we're like, we're sitting there talking, like, oh yeah, you know, like, yeah, part of the team. And then he walks away. Me and Scott were like, Yeah, that guy might be a little bit of a douche. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> listen, I'm all about being hardcore doing crazy things. Like I'm going skydiving again. Chris and I are going this Sunday. Um, you know, we do crazy things, but <laughs> when the guy's like casually joking around that, Oh yeah, you know, I've had a long time girlfriend. And then he mentioned, he refers to his girlfriend's son as his stepson. That confused me actually for a second. I never heard of somebody calling their girlfriend's son, their stepson. But, um, you and I looked at each other. We're like, I don't know if that relationship's still going to be happening when he gets back to Nova, that he knew whether it was going to be happening or not. I don't think he cared. No. It was a very unique character. Yeah, so. it was, and which is, and that's where you're going to meet at those types of events. You know, I mean, he was a, he was a legit ultra athlete. I mean, that guy didn't he say he was his next race up? He was heading out to like South Dakota for another hundred miler, and he said I don't that know if you can still see me, but your screen just froze on me. Oh yeah, the video will freeze from time to time depending on the internet. So, but I can hear you fine. I think it's your end. I'm actually getting a little delay. So, but you yeah, sound fine. Go. Don't worry. You can keep talking. This is the, this is the struggles of technology and live webinars. So, <clears throat> yeah. And actually, here's a great graphic. This is like the cover art 
for the race, a little cartoon. <laughs> and that's about right. I mean, I, I, the guy's got an angry face in this photo, and you can see bi- bicycles going smaller and smaller into the distance, and they're all, they're all still down here too because this switchback and climb is so real, it's not even funny. Every damn road was a switchback and climb. Every road. Or just went straight up. And just no end to it. No. No, it's like, I remember looking down at my bike computer and I'm like, dude, I've been climbing straight for over a mile. <laughs> there was no no breaks. <laughs> it just kept going. So, um, but obviously big picture, it was a little frustrating, you know? I mean, obviously I said that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a guy who doesn't like to complete things, uh, but you and I have talked about this. And it's also like, I promised my now wife, you know, Kristen, I said, hey, wait a minute. She's like, first of all, you're an idiot for signing up for this race. I said, thank you. I love you too. Um, I, 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 she probably sounds like your wife. Most, most sane people usually refer to us this way. And, but she's like, don't be a complete idiot and not, you know, bow out if you are running the risk of heat stroke. So, and there was definitely a high risk that day of heat stroke and heat exhaustion. Yeah, it was brutal. I mean, you, you got, you got first aid training. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, the first thing they gave you when they gave you a race packet is your shirt that you got and a paper on heat stroke. Yeah. <laughs> you know, warning signs, what to do with it, et cetera. Like, you know, you're getting into something when they hand you a, a heat stroke. Awareness, yeah. like guide. <laughs> I think they had to do that to cover their asses to make sure like they weren't going to get sued. Um, yeah. Although, you know, at the finish line, we did talk to those, uh, which by the way, those steaming fan things that blew like the, not steam, but obviously cool mist, Amazing, and uh, wish I would have saw that when we first got back uh, to to the, to the campsite because <laughs> we were ended up we were hanging out for over half an hour before we finally even you know mosey over to the medical tent, and they had all these amazing lounge chairs and and they were spraying mist and it was so cool and refreshing and I'm like I could have used that an hour ago. Um, At that point in the game too, had it had the sun gone down a little bit, I would have definitely like tried to figure out a way to snag one of those and <laughs> make, get it to my tent. <laughs> Yeah, that was here, here. You go, people uh, who are actually for some reason still watching this crazy show. Is uh, we literally were going to consider still camping that night, and Brian and I are back and forth. He, you already, uh, you know, uh, fired up a sweet uh, uh, round one of dinner. Uh, you grilled up some scallops and, and some meat. It was awesome, and we were considering round two, and we were going to record this podcast like live at the campsite. And then I think we both just started realizing, like, wait a minute. We're sitting here. The sun is setting. We're still sweating. It was still over 85 degrees at sunset. And then we're like, okay, we can be back home in about two and a half to three hours. <laughs> and yeah, you, were, you weren't really arguing it. Hard decision, I think. Yeah. So We didn't have anything going on the next day anyway. So uh, no, it was nice to get home and get that cold shower and lay down not that my 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 uh, tent setup's pretty damn comfy, but uh, it was more the more the temps that were. Oh, me. oh no! I mean, between the you and I, we both understand proper gear. Um, we we could do a whole show just on gear prep. <laughs> so, uh, you were definitely well equipped. You know, I had my equip, you had your equip, and it was all working out well. It's just why suffer through that level of humidity if you're already done with the race? And I mean, actually, funny thing is, half of that finish line campground was all clearing out. Yeah. The only people that were still there were the, the pimp bands. Normally there would be a much bigger party. It, it would have been a much bigger reason to stick around and have a good time and 
you know, there'd be bonfires and things. And, and it was definitely just what it was again, even back at camp, it was, it was more of a survival thing. Try to get yourself comfortable, you know, get yourself rehydrated because people were coming in beat up, you know, everybody's banged up from that event. Anybody that went out came back banged up, whether you, whether you completed it or not. And one guy on a fat bike, I remember the one guy we kept seeing on the red, I don't know, I think a specialized fat bike or something. He came in, it was like 13 hours. There's like 12 hours and 50 some minutes. He comes rolling in on his fat bike. That's just insanity. Well, that was that guy was crazy because he tried catching me on a couple hills. And then he that guy eventually passed me too. And I was like, what the hell? That guy just rolled past me on a fat tire bike. We're talking, you know, five inch wide. Like he had the legit full, full blown fat setup. Oh yeah. And I I hope that, that he was doing the fat bike marathon distance, which was seventy five miles. I don't think any of those fat bike guys were trying to do hundred and one. But I could be you know, I could stand corrected. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not hundred percent sure with him. I mean I mean here here's funny. Here you go. Here here you go, ladies and gentlemen. You think we're crazy about how many people failed to complete the race or did not even start. Here's the race results. So you know this guy's a pro in my division because here's the open men 101. This guy, Jeremiah Bishop, finished it in seven hours and eight minutes. I was like, what the hell is that? Meanwhile, my bib number was 43. So I was signed up way before this guy. He's bib 240. He's sponsored. (laughs) So I was like... All right, man. You could tell he just kind of drops in on races when he's feeling bored and then crushes them. <laughs> right? Look how tight the first three people are. I know. Yeah. Within a, within a minute of each other. Yeah. That's insane. And then this guy, you know, just like, hey, man, he, he was bib number four. So, you know, he's probably an annual regular. He doesn't roll in with any sponsorships, no teams. He's just like, yo, man, I, I just roll in and I conquer top five, seven <laughs> hours, 23 minutes, you know? Everybody else has got like some type of sponsorship here. <laughs> he's probably local, or or maybe he's another guy from from Nova Scotia we didn't meet. I don't know. But then down here, keep going down. Here's all the DNFs. They start. They just start cranking. DNF. 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 Uh, there, there I am with the fuel. <laughs> there you go. Did not finish. Loser. No, uh, and then here you go. Here's a single speed men. So one, some guy was doing this on a single speed nutball. Yeah, I saw a couple actually. I think there's more. There was more than one. Yeah, but this was a DNF at least. But uh, I'm just like, okay, single. Here you go, single speed woman, women, and she finished in 11 hours and 48 minutes. That's insane. It's hardcore, people. One gear, one gear. This lady crushed it. There you go. There's another single speed man. Again, not sponsored. <laughs> oh my God. He finished in 10 hours and 40 minutes. I was at aid station four at 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> this is when That's you know crazy. you're, you're, you're up. There's you're, a bunch of them. Yeah. You're up against some serious, uh, conflict. yeah, there's a lot of more single speeds up here. All in the top 50. Jesus. I remember back in the day racing the uh, Mid-Atlantic Super Series, there was a guy that was on a pretty sweet old, uh, looked like a fully rigid steel uh, Bianchi, all old school colors, that light blue type greenish color that they always had. Yeah. The bike, but he would show up to the starting line all the time smoking a cigarette and he would be smoking cigarettes all around, you know, when you're setting up and getting ready to race and stuff uh. and you're 
this guy thinking, what's this jackass doing? Like, well, who the hell comes out here and smokes and does this kind of stuff? And and then when they said go, man, it was the last time you ever seen the guy. He was gone. He was a machine. Yeah, that's just scary. That's like super powered, supernatural. I mean, that's why I love. That's why you and I geek out so much about biking. Yes, many of us are not normal. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, the word abnormal has been heard many times. Besides crazy or nutball or uh, what's some of the favorite words you got? Jackass. Yep, jackass. I get that one. A lot. <laughs> I get that one all the time. Um, usually in a more loving way. Actually, no, no. Kristen does not say it in a loving way. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm okay with it. You know, I, I think it's important to embrace your craziness. That's how I look at it. So, so let me, let me, uh, let me fast forward. So obviously I did not finish the race. Brian and I, uh, already hinted. We did not even camp another night, uh, made it back. Obviously I showed you some of the race results. There was definitely a lot of psychotic people and there's still another whole section of pages that weren't even on this. This was mostly, uh, the one one there was Clydesdale men divisions, masters men division, uh, there was also, again, we still, I, I didn't even show you guys the pages of the results from the marathon distance, which was 75 miles. So I think last time I checked, there was over 30 or 40 people that DNF'd and, and didn't even bother starting. They were just like, I'm not even going to show up for this crazy race. And they spent, I mean, what, what did we pay to do this race? Um, I don't know. It was a hundred and something. I thought it was close to 150, 140. I think it was like 100, 140 or 160 or something like that. Yeah, something like that. But let me tell you, for a race that they, they cap it at 400, I think this year they, they had about 200. Um, very well run. I think they did a great job. You know? That that radio van where you were standing, that, that guy's got to be former military. That whole camoed out truck with like all oh, that yeah, hardware. Yeah. That was a those guys that were out there were a radio team of okay. volunteers so they actually had access to the guy back in the beginning so they could radio throughout the whole course which was pretty cool back in the day i was part of the international mountain bike association imba yeah uh, i remember mountain bike patrol and i ran a group of people in our, our old school way back in the day was using two-way radios the, the cobra two-way radios oh yeah we would set them up and I'd have my guys throughout a race course. Well, that's basically what they were doing on a more high tech level. Those guys had like legitimate radios that they could go for miles and miles through all sorts of crazy terrain. I think the ones that I used were only good up to two miles or something like that, but they could radio. So if somebody DNF'd and they stopped at a, at a stop, they would call it out. They'd call back to uh, the main, the main, like the starting place or whatever. And, and finish line and let them know that, you know, 47 DNF'd at, you know, stop four. So that way, which is cool because then everybody knows that person's safe. They know if they don't see him coming through, they know where they stopped. They know that somebody got an eye on, know that they're all right, whatever. But. Yeah, I was impressed. I, I like some of the, like, A Station 2, where I first saw you at, I like they had, like, little, the families were there. There was kids checking racers in. It was, it was super nice. I, I thought yeah, I mean, yeah. everything was well supported. They got it pretty well dialed in. And there's there it was pretty cool. Some of the people that I met throughout the day as I bumped around from stop to stop were um, either parents of young racers that were out there, or husbands or wives type of stuff that were just involved with with somebody that was out on the course, kind of like myself. That then you know if they're going to be there, they were chipping in because you got to figure 101 miles through that type of terrain. There are tons of places for people to get hurt and not found, and issues and things and safety to go on. So it was cool that they had a, a good following of people. And I think that's something to say for the sports itself, just because 
you know, that's as long as I've ever been involved in the mountain biking world and all the racing and being out in the middle of nowhere, um, there always tends to be such an awesome group of people out there trying to help everybody out and pump up the next generation coming through and whatever. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's, it's, that's again, uh, it's just more reason why we love biking and it's not just biking. I think a lot of sports have their own little click, but, uh, the mountain biking world is completely unique that way. It's not the same as road cycling. Uh, there is a little bit of differences there. I live in both worlds, but I, I love the camaraderie and that grassroots support that you get in mountain biking. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, listen, I, I think we hammered heavily on W101. Uh, is there anything else you think we need to really throw back up there besides my crash and burn uh, miss at, at mile 66.66? <laughs> no, I just, the only, the only other question I had for you is what, when are you going to sign up for next year's? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, I've, I've been there, done that. And I'm going to tell you, this is, it's one of those things and, and just being like I was that, when I came home from that the first time, I said, there'll, there'll never be a day that I'll ever go back and put myself through that ever again. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it, this, that, whatever. And about two months later, I started saying, you know, I got to figure out a way to get myself back there. <laughs> well, I'll be honest. The race is doable. It is. I mean, that here, and let's, let's remind, let, actually, let me pause on this. Uh, there's still a lot of wins that came out of that day. It, that is the most miles now that I've actually done in a mountain biking race. My distances before that were 60 milers out in Colorado. So that's now officially the longest mountain biking race I've done. Uh, thanks to the heat, I was in that bike seat for 10 hours. So that's the longest time that I've sat on a mountain biking seat. <laughs> I don't know if that's really a win. Um, <laughs> depends on how twisted you are. Uh, and then also that's probably the most I have sweated on a bike because – I think there's no other way to define it as swamp ass, but I mean, you're completely soaked through everything you got after maybe an hour or two of biking. I mean, yeah, it was was, what that does to you again. So you saying that to most people that don't race or haven't put themselves through this type of thing doesn't mean anything to anybody. Okay. Sweaty. But what people don't understand is when you're wet and your equipment, even though we wear the right stuff, when that stuff's rubbing back and forth on your legs or this, that, whatever, you might as well have, you know, a hundred grit sandpaper, mm. um, you know, different things will chafe. You'll get rashed beyond belief or bleed in places just like runners um, where their nipples are bleeding just from their shirt running up and yeah, down marathon. On, their, yeah. on their chest and stuff. Um, it's it, when things get wet and, and they're rubbing on you all the time and depending on nothing's ever perfect that you try to find the right stuff, you train in the right stuff, you show up to race in the stuff that you trained in and you know, all it takes is one, one wrong decision or something gets a little bit out of whack and, and you'll rub yourself raw in places you really wish you did not Well, and basically what you're hinting at, which is again, just adding to the lovely pleasure of this experience, um, <laughs> is ultra sports. Like this is a hundred mile event. So this is considered an ultra sport. That is my first official ultra race because if I would have completed it, it would have been a hundred, 101 miles. Um, not to take anything away from fitness. I truly believe that fitness is important. You have to, we, I obviously trained for this, but you and I talked about this. This is a mindset game. And uh, what I remember because being soaked to the bone didn't bother me actually at all. Uh, my nutrition was dialed in, my salt ratios, my electrolytes, like my whole game plan was rocking. I was not ready for the the heat blast, you know, in the in the 50 mile bracket that just did me in. I could have kept pedaling all day. 
but I had no power. I had no stability. So when I got into those rocky single tracks, it was getting dangerous. Like I almost went over my handlebars probably three different times because my response time was being impacted. And I was like, okay, now we're getting sketchy. Uh, but really the most annoying, annoying things from that race, I told you, was one, tiny little gnats. Because when you're pedaling at only two to three miles per hour on a climb, you can't outspeed a gnat. And they're sitting there buzzing right in front of your freaking safety glasses. And you just it's so annoying. It was just beyond annoying. Uh, and then sweat coming down your nose and getting caught right on the edge of your nostril. I don't know. For me, those were the two most annoying things that were testing my mental fortitude that day. <laughs> I, and, and, and again, that goes with experience. I was talking to my buddy at, at work that I got into riding again and is really getting into it. I wouldn't doubt if you don't see him at a, a number of races next year and he, he's slowly, you know, changing his habits and stuff. And he kind of struggles like I do on a number of different levels. But one of the things that I said to him is um, like, we had a conversation to truck it. These endurance events are more of a, a, I hate to say, but like an old guy's game. Like it's, it really is experience and it's, and it's people that are smart, you know, and, and can do the right homework and, and prepare properly. And, and one of the biggest things is, you know, not rate, you know, changing nothing on race day. That, that's one thing that we know, but then oh, yeah. the other big thing that you just hit on, which we just had a conversation with me and this, this guy at work was when you're out riding and he said, I just had the other day I was out and I was riding and man, things just didn't feel right. I wasn't hitting things right. Like I was all out of whack. I was losing my balance. And, and he goes, I had to just pull the plug. And I said, you know what? I said, that's, that's called intelligence <laughs> because it doesn't matter how good you are. Um, sometimes you just have those days that you're out there and when you ride enough and you ride it for, you know, as many years as we have and been through some of the different things that we've done, you know, when things just aren't right, when things aren't right, that's when, you know, it takes a very small mistake at, at, at the worst possible time and you can really get hurt. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, my mindset now and where my decisions come from is I want to ride tomorrow. You know, back in the day, it was just about killing a jump or a gap or a, or something pertaining to the, to, you know, that task at hand on that nutty day. This could be a Tuesday evening with my buddies, but now it's, it's more like I, I can't disable myself to where I can't go to work and I can't ride, you know, I want to ride my bike. I want to go kayak and want to hang out with my daughter, you know, do all the crazy stuff that I do. And that's one of the things that just comes with experience and being a little bit older to say, you know what, today's just not the day. Or you get to a place and like, yeah, I could keep going. You know, the young idiot's going to keep going. He's probably going to end up half dead at the top of the hill. But, you know, smart people know when to pull the plug and adjust the sails and go back and deal with it later. Well, and I uh, I had you uh, – I think you actually did go listen to that recent podcast I heard about quitting, right? The, the, yeah. So Dr. Stan uh, was, was a great podcast. And I gave you a shout-out in that show because, actually, you represented the intelligence that he was – he educates people on like he works he's worked with famous people like Arnold Schwarzenegger and everybody else and, and he referred to The Rock Dwayne Johnson and talks about how quitting is not a bad thing it's just we've just trained ourselves to think that it's a bad connotation but he said everybody has to quit something if they're going to move on to something bigger and better and whether you want to call it stopping doing something and starting something new and he's back to your point it, you have to look at your health too and I gave you props because you, you, I remember you telling me like, you know what, you know, you, you, you talk to your wife and you, and you thought about it and you're like, you know what, I, I'm trying to be a super dad. I'm trying to build my side hustle business. You got a lot of irons in the fire, dude. It doesn't mean you can't stop going to the races. You just go you know, serve a different role. 
And honestly, I was looking forward to seeing you at the aid station. So for me, that was like a psychological benefit uh, or else I would have truly been just rocking this week, that weekend, totally solo. So it was cool having you there, man. I want to give you a shout out for that because I, I, if I didn't do it before, I'm doing it now, man. Like it it was a really nice uh, benefit, you know, having a camp boss and an aid station buddy. (laughs) Yeah. The the time that I went, I was out there completely solo. Like I was hundred percent by myself. And it is, you know, it definitely is a different kind of a weird feeling. Yeah. So speak nice about out there. So speaking about helping people, supporting people, let's dive right into the fat doc, right? All right. So that was uh, real quick, people. If you're watching this or you're gonna be listening to this as a, once I aired this on, on the podcast platform around the world, fat a documentary crowdfunded on Indiegogo. I helped run the campaign. Last year, we won, or not won, basically hit the crushed goal out of the park, raised over $250,000 to help. uh, Shout out to Vinny Tortorich of Fitness Confidential, the the founder and creator of of the Fat Documentary. But uh, him, his wife, Serena Scott Thomas, uh, Peter Pardini, the music director, I'm sorry, the movie director, uh, we helped them fund it through the power of the people. And they made that movie off of a quarter mil. Uh, and a lot more, actually, because I think Vinny had to throw a good chunk of change in himself. Uh, but now the movie has been picked up by Gravitas Ventures, and they've helped. Uh, they are the distribution partner. So now they're spending thousands of dollars to get it out around the world. And as of yesterday, July 30th, it officially launched on iTunes and Vimeo. And you can buy it on DVD and Blu-ray on Amazon already. And it's also available on Amazon Prime Video if people want to rent it and watch it. And uh, Brian, you've already dug in, have you not? Yep. Yeah, I caught it probably at 6 a.m. this morning. I think I started it. There you go. And here, real quick. I got the notification or whatever. I start work at 6, and I that's when I'm crushing all my podcasts and stuff during work. Wait, so you yeah, literally I, watched it first thing this morning? Yeah, it was the first thing I did. Oh, not well, was it this morning or yesterday? Huh, yesterday. This morning, right? Well, no, I mean, it aired yesterday. So, oh, then it was yesterday morning. I'm sorry. Yeah. It all blends together. Nah, yeah, I know. I'm, dude, trust me. I'm in the middle of a campaign. I'm doing all the marketing. It's nut, it's nutballs. Uh, <laughs> I mean, here you go, ladies and gentlemen. You got here it is on iTunes, Fat a Documentary. Here it is on Vimeo, Fat a Documentary. Here it is on Amazon. You can get it in DVD or Blu ray if you want to order the physicals, uh, if people still do that. And then here it is on Amazon Prime. A nice little cameo shot from the uh, the famous Dr. Drew. He's actually in the movie as well. That's why he's uh, got a cameo shot. So a lot of big names, a lot of healthy influencers, people like Nina Teichholz and Gary Taubes, who are uh, medical news researchers. They get, they get the truth out there. Uh, but what are your thoughts, man? Let's just dive in. Let me stop sharing here. Uh, what do you think, man? Big picture. I would go so far as to say it was a little disturbing. <laughs> Let me guess. Was it, the, was it the foot scene? Um, no, no, I think a little bit of everything. Okay. <laughs> so, so help, help us understand, man. What, what do you mean by well, disturbing? Being, being a kid nut, you know, so the, the one part that hit home and I, and I don't want to, I don't want to wreck it so people don't watch it, but the, the gentleman with his, uh, with the young boy that was having the seizures. Oh yeah. So that, <laughs> that is the famous Jim Abrams who made the movie. Remember the old movie airplane? Yeah. Yeah, that's him. He's a director, right? Yeah, he made all those amazing, hilarious movies from like the 80s and 70s. So he's loaded, and he's the one who founded the Charlie Foundation 
in, in, in honor of everything he learned from his son and helping him go ketogenic to help with his seizure problem. Yeah, that, that was pretty, you know, impactful, I guess you would say, story about that young man and what he was dealing with and, and what it took to change it as, as simple and as easy as it was. <clears throat> um, and it's also, there's a lot of very informative stuff, just like where veganism came from, you know, how it started and what it was about, you know, just, a, just a yeah, lot like of, 100, 150 years ago, right? There's a lot of different tidbits in there that people that think they know a lot of different stuff, you know, you're going to get something out of it one way or the other, hmm. uh, you know, it really shines a light on a lot of stuff. And it's, it's pretty scary. You know, when you think about, you, you know, for people like me and you we're, we're kind of all in this together <clears throat> and to watch something like that. And feel like this, uh, you know, government and these people that are supposed to be watching after us and taking care of us are really, you know, like everything else. It's more about the money and all the bullshit mm -hmm. that, you know, I, my, my number one thing uh, far above and beyond any type of sport that I'm into or crazy hobbies, my family, and my kids. And to think, you know, ever since I had this little girl as a baby and watching her grow up, you know, I get more involved with worrying about the types of stuff that I'm putting in her mouth because it, it's, you know. I feel like I'm making a greater impact on a four-year-old as opposed to a 40, almost 45-year-old in myself. You know, she, she's a lot of my, you know, my drive and what I do and, and how I educate myself and a lot of this stuff. And it's very scary to see some of the things that are going into these foods that are just sitting on the shelf at Weiss, Giant, Wegmans, wherever the hell you go, that's readily available and you're giving it to your family. And how many things you, you know, think you're doing the right thing, getting the healthy stuff and, and you're really, really feeding your kid poison and then the stuff that it's doing for them long-term. And so many people look at this stuff and, and I'm so sick of hearing the, the, the same shit from so many people that say, Oh, this is, you know, it's what, this is what kids been eating for years. This is just what, you know, it's the way it is. This is just how it is. Like it's time for people to wake up a little bit for some of that stuff and take responsibility for one, being a parent, you know, if you got a kid, it's one thing to what you do to yourself when you're an adult, mm -hmm. that's you know, kind of your own thing. Um, when you have a child, that's a totally different responsibility from a guy like me that, that takes that stuff, you know, very seriously. And that's really where my drive comes to educate myself and all this stuff. It's gone above and beyond trying to help myself, which I'm always working on, but, uh, you know, it's, it's how I can better influence my little four-year-old because she's got the rest of her life ahead of her. And if I can get things right or better, you know, from the get-go, um, she's going to be that much better off down the road. And hopefully I don't have any of these horror stories and it's only going to get worse, you know, from, from what I've been seeing, um, more than get better unless a lot of people get on board with stuff like this documentary and see what's really going on. That's one of the reasons why I was excited when they asked me to help join the project and, and, you know, fuel the fire, so to speak, you know, which was, I mean, I'm really proud of the project. I'm really proud of what they pulled off. I'm just happy to have been a small component of it because, they, you know, they, they, even though you brought like veganism and everything else, they, they don't actually bash anything in this. Even though people who know Vinny, they know he's the guy who founded the NSNG trademark, you know, no sugar, no grains lifestyle. But he, he never once promoted himself as, you know, NSNG. He never mentions it in there. He wanted to make sure this documentary got out there and simply did what you just said. They're bringing up all the truth from history, going back. 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, even 150 years ago, because people need to know that, hey, you don't actually know everything, and there's a lot of knowledge that's being missed and skipped over, and I love what you just pointed out. You said, listen, 
take some accountability for this. Uh, I've said it on the podcast before where we do need to become a, kind of our own inner physicians, so to speak. Do some self-study. Don't blindly just trust that everything is being told to you is accurate. You, you need to dig into some of this stuff and make the time to learn. And some of us are just further along in the education process, but it doesn't mean you can't start today. So I love the fact you pointed that out. Yeah. And one of the things from uh, just a little side note too, from Live the Fuel and from Vinny's uh, podcast and stuff like that, like I'm, I'm slowly taking, you know, different things and, and trying different stuff. out. like you said, becoming your inner physician, trying things out. And one of the things was the uh, recently I talked to you about, you gave me some samples when we were on the Wilderness 101 that I dove into the, is it Peely nuts? Is that how they say it? Peely? Yeah, Peely as in like the Philippines. Peely? Yeah. yeah. Eat, eat Peely I, nuts. I always say Peely, but I thought I heard him saying Peely. But anyways, Peely nuts, those things. Um, every I got their sampler, and although I didn't like the spicy stuff that came, because I'm not a spicy guy. Oh, see, I that, love those. Yeah. That stuff is like crack. I, like that, I, I warned it's, you. It's <laughs> not even a nut. I don't even know what that stuff is, but it is, it is like the butteriest, tastiest thing I've ever had. But um, and I'm trying to, I got the, uh, F bombs coming the fat bombs and yeah. And, and actually here for the people he's talking about like this, I have them on my website on livethefuel.com on the affiliates, but yeah, that's the F bombs. I used these actually in the race two weeks ago because I was completely fueled by fat and then there's the pilly nuts and, and these are like crack. Um, but I mean, if you think an almond is healthy and you think a macadamia nut is healthy, try eating pilly nuts that are grown in ancient volcanic soil in the Philippines healthiest freaking nut on the planet, rich in healthy fats, rich in healthy magnesium. Um, and yes, uh, use our discount code fuel and you'll save 10%, which Brian did. So absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I got a, I'm going up to, uh, the dew drop campground in the Allegheny state forest, uh, Ooh. Jake's rocks trails, beautiful, uh, in probably two weeks or something. And, uh, we're, we also have a trip to the beach. So I stocked up on a whole bunch of that stuff just to have you know some better choices for snacks. Oh, and by the way, so did you end up eating like a whole bag? Because I've, I've done that many times. It just it's just so good. <laughs> yeah, well, the first bag I just wailed on. I didn't even look at the thing. I just I thought it was like a single serve until I looked around. It was like almost four hundred calories or something for one one of those bags. <laughs> well, and you know me, dude. It was I, worth it. I've talked about this before. I'll sit down and I'll crush two steaks. I, I've never counted a calorie in my life. So this goes back to what we're talking about right now is what is the quality of what you're putting in your mouth, right? So yeah, I can eat a whole whole, whole little bag of the pilly nuts. I'm not even phased by it. So, uh, but, so yeah, for people out there, once you get a clue, you actually don't really need to count a calorie. It's what, what, what are the calories, you know? So, and I... I don't think they really drilled the heck out of that in the movie, but I think that's just something in general people need to learn more about. Yeah, it was good. That stuff was good. So big picture, what'd you take away? I th if you were going to explain fat doc to people uh, or get people interested, like how would you sum it up? Wow. Like education, uh, eye opening. Like what do you, what do you, what are you thinking? I, I would say all the, all the above the, the one thing, I think the best thing that they did about it is not coming across, like you said, and bashing or putting anyone down. Like it literally is, it is just a series of facts and, and things from the past and the pictures are good. The, the, like the parts that they bring up and I don't know, just the way they, they bring everything across. It's, it's extremely informative 
and in a way to be helpful and not arrogant and, you know, F you to somebody else. Right. Because the moment you watch something in, in whatever world it is that you're watching it on and they're like, you know, do this because these guys suck and this sucks. And you people are a bunch of morons. And it's true. Then, then you're listening to an arrogant asshole and, and you're not going to take his word as well as you will somebody that's extremely calm and factual and laying things out there uh, the way that it is. And in a way to help people and not, you know, it's not every, every 10 seconds in the, in the fat talk, they don't stop and say, you know, so if you like to listen to my podcast, you can go to <laughs> www. You know, it, it is just informative information on stuff that people need to know. Yeah. That's, that's what a lot, that's my biggest takeaway too, is when, when I saw them making the movie and they were telling me how they were going to do it, I was so excited because it's not just showing, and there is some dramatic scenes in there. I will warn people that, you know, there's actually been a few people that say, hey man, you should have put a warning up about the foot scene. Uh, but I will warn people that, hey, there is a, a scene regarding a foot. I'll give you a hint. It's tied to diabetes. So if you have a clue, there could be some dramatic, you know, uh, uh, observations, you know, it might be a little scary, but my point is, is that it's truth. And, but the beauty of it is that, Every single thing they bring up in there, they bring up the statistics. They bring up the actual data. They bring up the actual science. They're not fluffing it and throwing fake numbers out there or fake data. Everything has been validated. Everything has been proven. And that's what they wanted to make sure got into this documentary because there's a lot of documentaries out there, I won't bring them up, that have been paid paid for by other agendas, and they're not actually backed up by any valid science whatsoever. And the problem these days too is you if, if you got a good marketing guy like yourself or somebody that understands one the psychology of human beings and how we think and how we react to stuff and whatever if you have a good marketing scheme you can sell anything mm-hmm. you know you, you, we, we can make crack you know be the next next big thing if it's marketed right and you talk about it get the right person to to speak upon it throw out a couple of shirts whatever um th- this the 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 thing about this stuff is um you know, it's, it's, it's information that's, that's real, that people, people need to get out of the dark in what they believe for so many years, just because that's what they've heard and understand that what you've been hearing isn't what's right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's, there's too many agendas behind what's going on. And I hate politics. I hate uh, any, any type of, you know, I don't, I don't like to follow and get behind a whole lot of stuff. But the one thing about this is, you know, the diseases and, and you didn't hear about kids with with the major amounts of autism and, mm-hmm. and all these genetic disorders and stuff that's going on. I always go back to kids because, again, that's what fuels my fire. So, you know, with the kids, all of these the statistics between how many kids are coming out with some type of an issue and the diabetes and stuff is is just it's it's running rampant now. Cancers. You oh, know, back kid, kids are being year. born already diabetic. Uh, oh yeah, with, yeah. with and, and so many other things. And so much of it goes back to diet that it's you know, that that's what fuels us. It's what makes makes us what we are. And if you're not putting the right thing in there, and if you're putting chemicals and and all the sprays and the stuff that goes into like it 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 I've now spent hours and hours because of the job that I have, I can a pair of headphones and I can listen to podcasts until I'm blue in the face. And it's amazing amazing how much stuff that I've educated myself on. Um, almost disturbing to me, like, and, and it, it's trying to deal with it all. That's become more of a job and slowly, you know, making transitions into different things and trying to, you know, 
involve my kids and my family and whatever to, to, you know, doing healthier, smarter things. Well, and that's the point too, is like not everybody's going to have a job or a career that allows them that much time freedom to be able to pop a set of headphones in. But that doesn't, that doesn't give you a complete excuse. Like I said, some of us will be able to consume content faster than others. I do a lot of travel. So that's why I've been a, I've been a voracious podcast listener before I even launched my own show. Uh, but that's also why there is, you know, YouTube is now nicknamed YouTube University because you could pretty much find anything on there. Uh, so there basically nowadays, there is no excuse to not start learning and start teaching yourself and finding the right information. Uh, so I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because whether it's podcasts, audiobooks, uh, again, YouTube, I don't care how you choose to use as far as a learning platform, whether it be audio, video, or both, just start taking action. Stop living blindly uh, in your world because most people who do that then just start making excuses and they don't take any accountability for where they end up. And I know that drives you nuts just as much as it drives me nuts because I don't like the blame game. We all need to step up and own our shit. Stop passing the buck. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, absolutely. And, and I, I know, I, I would say since the day I met you and got into the whole, I never even knew what the hell a podcast was, you know, and all this stuff. Um, and I'm so into the stuff now that you, it, it's almost tough to try to deal with all that information. There's so much stuff that's out there that you're, you're hearing from people, um, from legitimate sources, from people. And the thing that I like most about it is, is it's from people that have nothing to gain. So, you know, I, I don't trust a Nike commercial because they're making money off of the shoes that they're selling. They may not be the best shoes in the world, but they're going to cost, you know, one ninety nine, and they're going to make a shit ton of money off them. But when you're listening to this podcast stuff and the different things and the people are coming on, a lot of times, too, it's people that have had things that have touched them in the past. You know, they've been through stuff. They've lived it. You know, they dealt with a family member that struggled with something. And then this, this, and this helped them. And through that, they educated themselves and found out this whole other world of things. My biggest thing for people is, is to keep an open mind to that kind of stuff. Don't, don't be so old school. I'm, I'm as old school as I get. Like I love, I'm, I'm a very simple dude in the realm of things, mm -hmm. but you got to be open-minded to, you know, what you know isn't necessarily what's really going on. Yeah. And it, and it's scary. And, and people like me that love to do like you, also that love to do things for people and, and we want the best out of everything. It's hard to wrap your brain around and think some guy's trying to screw you over um, selling me a pop tart. Can't be that bad. Well, it is that bad. Yeah. Pop tarts suck. <laughs> I love it. Well and said, bro. I couldn't have, pop -tarts. I I I like have said it any better, my friend. <laughs> I couldn't have said it any better. You know what? The sad part is I used to eat those things. All right. <laughs> Who didn't? Because yeah. we didn't know any better. Yeah, exactly. You know, we didn't know any better. Yeah, I mean, I grew up. I grew up on a farm, eating eggs and bacon, and drinking raw goat's milk. And then one day, I'm eating TV dinners and pop tarts. And I'm like, their, yeah, their marketing was better than our intelligence was. Yeah, that's changed now. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> my parents switched me from eggs and bacon to eating cereal because it was easier. It was faster. They didn't know they were doing anything wrong. And there's parents to this day still doing that because marketing is telling them, oh, they're they're reinforced mm -hmm. with vitamins and minerals and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's still manufactured crap. And those vitamins are sprayed on and your body can't even absorb them. But what do you know? Because you haven't actually learned this yet. I have. You have. You know, we're all learning. That's the most important thing here is we're going to, we're committed to learning. And I think that's the part of life in general is that we all should be at some point in the stage of the game, 
committing to be that lifelong learner. And I know that's definitely been a big chapter of your growth. Oh, absolutely. Well, listen, man, we're coming to the end of our slot uh, because I'm actually hosting another Fat Doc watching party in a couple of minutes. So um, how do you want to close the show out, man? I think we kind of did. Um, <laughs> well, besides Pop-Tarts. <laughs> my, my, uh, besides Pop-Tarts sucking as bad as they do, um, biggest thing I, I would say to anybody is keep an open mind. Uh, this has been an awesome ride ever since I met you uh, a number of years ago. I think it's been three, three to four years ago now. It's at uh, least three. Yeah. Chainsaw work. You know, I was, I went out and suffered in the woods with you and, and it was, it, it, there was a little bit of, uh, I don't even know what to say, like a, a little bit of comfort while I was standing underneath that bridge, watching you pull up in the middle of W101 and knowing that I just put you through that pain and suffering. And, and I had a little, little bit of, uh, you know, a part of that. It was pretty exciting. But um, the one thing that, that all of this stuff has kind of done for me is opened my eyes to, to just being more open to different things. You know, I never was into this type of stuff. I've read more books in the past four years than I probably read in the past 40. Yeah. Um, and I've dropped a few on, on your windshield along the way. <laughs> yeah, it's just been a blast. So, you know, anybody watching in this type of stuff and check out this fat doc. It's, it was a great story. I told my wife, as soon as I watched it, sent something to her. I said, I watched something. I said, you know, and, and it, I don't care if I got to put my family in the car and we'll go to Staten Island or something, you know, with one of her family members or whatever, I'll put it on in my truck so nobody can get away from it. And, and they're just going to listen to it. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's amazing information. It's out there. Somebody can definitely get something from it. Um, it's not stuff that I would have been following in the past. And, and it's definitely things that have been, you know, I've been opened up to, more recently. And, uh, it's just been a great ride, you know, learn all this stuff. Yeah. Keep an open mind. There you go, people. Keep an open mind. Well, listen, uh, that's how we're going to close the show out. Keep an open mind, sharing, share the fat doc. Uh, if you're psychotic enough, I'm, you might want to join us because I'm probably going to end up doing the love you one-on-one again next year. Uh, <laughs> next year, let's, let's start with the Leesburg. Uh, we're talking about yes. the Leesburg Acres dozen again. Let's do Leesburg. For 13 yeah. hour. That That's fun. Yeah. Let's, let's start with some fun before the massive torture. We won't get into that right now. <laughs> yes, and actually stay tuned. Uh, Brian is always coming on more regularly now, and uh, we do need to catch up more on uh, the new Fuel Foundations launch. Uh, I still need to make time to do some logo package on that, but obviously the 501c3 is now launched, but we now have a charity. Brian is uh, one of the launching uh, board members of Guidance. Uh, besides my wife. So thank you for, for taking that on. And like every new project, it just takes a little while to get it going, but we've already made some impacts uh, before even turning the key on that. So uh, shout out to some Johns that we know. You can reference those in old podcasts. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for hanging with us. Remember, you too can live the fuel and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks, Scott. <laughs>